But if you have your Bibles, please turn them over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, but they are also here on the screen. Um, he reads here, Everything in the Scriptures is God's Word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. The Scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. That is what, what we try to teach here in this church all the time. In all the ministries that we have, we try to always, if not all the time, teach from the Bible. We try to make it relatable. We try to make it apply in our lives. Because if we go by our own opinions, we could be wrong. Because opinions differ, right? And it's movable. Sometimes a popular opinion seems to be the right thing because everybody believes it. But if the Bible says otherwise, then we stand with the Bible. Amen. You've heard a testimony earlier from a former member of ours who moved to our church because we decided to stay open while the world was telling us to be closed during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Because we believe what the Bible says, that church is important. Physical, physical fellowship is important. Mm -hmm. Now, the question, what will be the purpose of God in someone's life? For our guests, for our members, it's so that Pastor Joe will have something to do on Sundays. <laughs> no, for, for, for some of you, you might be asking, what will be the purpose of God in my life? I live in America, the most, the greatest country in the world. I'm very convenient, I'm very com comfortable. My typical day... For someone who works, is you wake up at 6 a.m., right? You know, apparently in the U.S., we on an average, we wake up at 7 a.m. And in the Philippines, 7.28. That's why the Philippines <laughs> will always be behind. 7.28 there. But typically, some people wake up at 6 to get ready for their work. Or for the students here, they'll wake up at 7 to get to school at 7.15, right? Yeah. <laughs> you then get to your work. You get to your coffee, I should say, coffee first, or your espresso machine. You try to work out before you go to work, maybe, then get dressed for work, and then jump into your fancy car, uh, or not, you jump into your friend's car, <laughs> right? And then you go to work, you get greeted by your coworkers, or you go to school, you get greeted by your, your, your schoolmates, your friends. If you're an um, employer, you get greeted by employees, they have to, or else they'll fire them, right? Or your subordinates, they have to say hi to you, or else you'll not give them the day off they asked for. Yeah. And then you work out through the day, you work through the day, you know, you try to not be on your Facebook while you're working, maybe, or your Instagram, you're trying to be a good worker, a good student for those of you who are in school. And then you get out of school at 3, I don't know, 2.30. Uh, for some of you, you get off of work at 3 or 5, then you go back to your beautiful home, and you, if you're married, you kiss the children, and you, you kiss the wife or the husband, and then you go back to bed, right? And then you get ready for same thing tomorrow. And if you have it, if you are blessed, you will repeat that for five days. And then the weekend comes, and it doesn't come soon enough, right? And then Friday seems to be the most stressful day because, man... Things happen when you plan vacations, right? That's when they want you to work overtime. That's when they want you to work extra hours. 
or that's when your family bugs you about certain things. But then you made it. You made it in the weekend. You made it to your camp. Make it to your campsite or to the place that you wanted to be at on a vacation with your family, with a few friends. You had a great time. You had a great time. But then you, you know, come Sunday morning, you're already dreading the return. Everybody says this. It's like, oh, man, back to reality. Yeah, you're like, back to reality. And then you come home on Sunday evening. You put the kids to bed. You have a great talk with the wife saying, you know what? We need to retire soon. I can't do this again. And you get ready for another week of work, right? To repeat that cycle for that typical day. But for some odd reason, this following week, you get this call. You get this call from this person that's really close to you. About a person that you really care about. And they say the words, I have some good news and some bad news. Which one do you want first? Good news and some bad news. You get that kind of call. It gets it gets challenging. You get rattled. Right? If you're like me, I'll always go for the, okay, give me the bad news first. Lay it on me. So at least if, if it's so bad and the good news is good, then you could probably comfort me. But you know, unfortunately, our lives, we will get bad news. And this is from a website from the universityhospitals.org. These are the five most stressful events in a person's life, according to them. Death of a loved one, divorce, moving. I find it very funny because I'm in real estate and moving. You know, if you don't want to move, then don't buy a house, right? So don't get stressed out. And then, and then major illness or injury, and then job loss. You know? So when, when, when something like this is laid out on you as your bad news, one of these items, except moving, what approach do you take? What approach do you take when trouble comes? What approach do you take when trouble comes? You know, we said here in this, in this church, we believe in the Bible and we teach from the Bible. But all the time we try to compare what the Bible says, the Word, versus what the world says. And they gave you a list of what the world says of the top five, the top five, right? But the Word agrees. Because who's the Word? God is the Word. Jesus is the Word. In John 1, 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. And the Word Jesus said in John 16, 33, He says here, In this world, you will have trouble. Now, does God lie? No, He doesn't. We do. We love to lie. So as much as we can, we try not to, but if it's going get to us, get us out of trouble, we will. Like when you're running late, right? And then they say, dude, where are you? And you say, five minutes. But you're really just getting ready because you just remembered. And you're really 25 minutes away. Or when the credit bill comes back and your wife sees it and she's like, what is this 1500 car muffler? <laughs> and you say, 
was hacked. You don't have to call them. And then you drive off with that loud thing. Because they're going to return it. We try not to lie, but God doesn't lie at all. He doesn't. Now, do we always agree on the things that he says? Honestly, we don't. The world, that's why we are in the shape that we are in, because we didn't agree with the word of God. The world says, well, there's trouble. Why is there trouble in the world? We should say, why is there trouble in the world? The world says, well, because human beings are imperfect. No one is perfect, says the perfect person. <laughs> but the word, the word, the Bible agrees. Yes, no one's perfect. The Bible agrees to that. But the word says there's trouble in the world because of sin. Sin. Now there's a lot more things. It'll take me longer than 30 minutes to spend with you if you truly do not believe in God. Or if you don't think there's anything wrong with the world. It'll take longer than 30 minutes, really. But let's just pretend. If you don't believe that there's trouble in the world, let's just pretend that there is. And if you think that there is no God, try to think about it as I go through the whole thing. But I only have 25 minutes left. That's the challenge. We want to know more about God. We want to believe God. We want to learn from God. But we only give Him a little bit. One day in a week, and we can't even make it. Right? And in Genesis 3, it says here, it's in the beginning, from the very beginning. We wanted to be our own. We didn't want to surrender. We didn't want to believe in God. The woman asked the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, You must not eat of it or touch it, or you will die. And the serpent, you will, you will not surely die, the serpent told her. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That has been the sin in the beginning in the garden and up to now. Up to now, that's been the sin. We want to know what is good and evil. We want to be the one to determine what is right from wrong. We don't want to hear it from God. And you know, the serpent's so He's so cunning, guys. Mm -hmm. if, you think, if you think Satan doesn't exist, that's the first lie that you bought in. Mm. This is worth it. That's the worst thing, right? That's right. Oh, there's no enemy. Come on, Joe. It's 2022. There's no devil. <laughs> it's you who's the devil. It's the in you, the devil in you. But there's no outside force. There is. And the devil is always good to pointing to us something that we do not have that's where he wants us to focus in that's why trouble is here that's why sin happens he wants us to focus on something that we do not have imagine satan pointed them to that one tree that god said don't eat from but there was like let's pretend there's 99,000 trees in the garden that they could eat from yeah. but satan was like how come he's not letting you eat that one how about that you're married. You're married. Your, life, your wife has been faithful to you for many years. But then you want that co-worker of yours that just came in from California. She's like furly and saying, oh, hey, Joe, your forearm's looking pretty big. It broke your butt on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah. I like this. You know, you start getting that attention now. All of a sudden, your attention's to this one. Satan is so good to point us out on something that we don't have or someone that we cannot have. 
That's when sin happens. That's when sin happens. In Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. From one command to ten commands, right? And then we say, and then we wonder, why is trouble here? If there is a God, why is trouble here? Why would he allow rape to happen? If there is such thing as a God, why do hurricanes happen and kill a lot of people? Why do earthquakes happen? Why do tragedies happen? If there really is a God, why? But then you know, when they ask those questions, they're accusing God of the mistakes, of the errors, the heartbreaks. I get it. All of those are heartbreaking. I'm with you. But those trouble came because of sin. Yes. Those trouble came because of sin. Trouble comes our way. The world and the word agree in both of those. And then the world and the word agrees again that there is no perfect person. Knowing those things, we now have to compare it, right? Now the world says to handle those five stress points that you get, this is, oh, that's a repeat, huh? Well, here, here, here's the no perfect person that the world says, uh, the, the word agrees on. No one is righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. Only God is perfect. Mm -hmm. And the world agrees to that. But this is what the world says about how you were to handle those five stress points there. You have to take action. Your body is primed to act, so go ahead and get physically moving. Let me just argue on this one. What if they said you broke your leg? How can you physically move? Contract your muscles, release and shake it out. And then uh, breathe, they say, breathe. And then it says, feel good. What if the news was like you're sick, you have this, you have cancer? Can you really say, I'm gonna have to feel good? Take at least 30 seconds to just feel good. This is from uh, Dr. Aiden, and, he says, and she said, not one of us can spare five minutes a day. That's true. Uh, it's a choice for health. I agree. If, now, if it's just about health, yeah, get moving. Feel good. Do something positive, sure. But if you receive those bad news, I think that's quite, that's too optimistic. Now this is what the Word says, the Bible says, if there, when trouble comes. I have told you this so that you might have peace in your heart because of me. While you are in the world, you will have to suffer. But cheer up, I have defeated the world. Jesus has said that trouble will come. But Jesus then also said, he then also said, that we can have peace in him. See, he's not, he's not, he's not sugarcoating life for us. Because this world is full of sinners. And sinners will hurt other people. You know how many church shootings are, have, have happened? People that are trying to worship God and somebody goes in there and starts shooting. How many kids have been victimized in school shootings? Mm -hmm. Kids that just wanted to go about their day because they didn't want to be in trouble at the house. They want to go to school and then they get shot there. Mm -hmm. Because evil is around. Yep. Right? Evil is around. But Jesus said, Jesus said, as much as he told us, the trouble is coming, trouble is going to be in your life. 
but I am here, he says. And in me, in me you can have peace. Now Jesus, when he was with the disciples and the storm hit them, this is in the account in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Remember this one? For those of you who've been watching those, um, I don't know if you're like me, you watch 700 Club or the Superbook. Right? And then the, the, the storm came and the disciples were with Jesus and then they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? In 39, verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, church, when storms come in our lives, and they will, you have to ask yourself, Do I have Jesus in my life? And if you do, he says, In me you will have peace. And if he can calm the storms and the wind, he can do the same thing for you. Now, your trouble might still be there. Your credit card debt might still be there, very much alive. But when God says, have peace in me, you pray, and Lord, sustain me. Right? And then God says, stop spending. <laughs> Take out that Amazon app in your phone. <laughs> Be satisfied with your car. You don't have to get the newest car. Amen. In Him we will have peace. If, if we are afraid, we forgot who's in control. We forgot how big our God is when our problems overwhelm us. When troubles come, always look to Jesus because that's the best way. There's no, we, we here at this church, or at least Christians, Christianity in general, we don't deny trouble. Don't, do we? We don't do it like, oh, just positively think that trouble's not there. No, that's, no, that's not true. Also, Chambers in my utmost resize, he says, if God has made your cup sweet, drink it with grace. Appreciate it. If he has made it bitter, drink it with communion with him. Drink it with the Lord. Be with God. Know that Jesus is with you. Are you going through any heartaches today? Go do it with the Lord. If Jesus is with you, His, his heart, He is near the brokenhearted, the Bible says. Amen. He is with you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to cast all your troubles upon Him. He wants you to do that. He wants you to do it. He wants you to, to come to Him. If you are tired, from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest. This yoke is easy to bear and this burden is light. For the Filipinos, you're singing, you're singing right now in your, in your mind. The karaoke lovers here. That's a Bible verse. God says, come to me. You have trouble? Are you tired? Come to me. Come to me. The invitation of God is real. He constantly asks us, all of us, to come to Him. Trouble will come our way, He says, but in me you will have peace. He says, you will be tired, but give it to me. Give it to me, and then take my yoke. What, what's His yoke? What does that mean? That means that we've been carrying our own burden. We have forgotten what God has wanted from us. 
we have focused so much on trying to get rich, trying to make that dollar, trying to retire early, that we've exhausted ourselves to the point of death. For some of you, when you, when you tell me you work graveyard, I say, yeah, you do. Because mm -hmm. you're starting to look like somebody from the grave. <laughs> you need to rest, church. People, my friends, you need to rest. Don't kill yourselves over money. That's right. Some of you have three, four jobs. Why? Well, because of the bills, Pastor. It's not like you're going to give me money. I'm going to give you money. I didn't, I didn't buy those clothes. You did. No, but we have to focus. God says, carry my yoke. What's God's yoke? You have to seek Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. Right? Jesus always invites us, and it's real. It's a real invitation. It's not lip service. Only with Him you will have peace in the midst of your trouble. Without Him, you will always be troubled. Always be troubled. I'm starting to see some application here. So we're going to try to tackle the death of a loved one, divorce, and we're going to, I think this too kind of is the same. Alright, so let's go on divorce. Divorce. You know, in the United States, it has the, it, it's the sixth highest divorce rate in the world for the single people. You're like, oh my gosh, tell me some good news, Pastor Joe. Six. And then almost 50% of all marriages in the United States will end in divorce or separation. And researchers estimate that 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Every 42 seconds, there is one divorce in America. That equates to 86 divorces per hour. Wow. 2,046 40, 2, divorces per day, 14,364 divorces per week, and 746,971 divorces per year. What am I trying to say? Be an attorney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if you're married, trouble can come your way in this matter. If you have friends who are married, trouble can come their way in this manner. What does the Bible have to say about that, Pastor Joe? Malachi 2.16 reads, The man who hates, the man who hates and divorces his wife says, The Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Says the Lord Almighty, Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Most of the time, it's the unfaithfulness that causes divorce. That's right. It's the cheating spouse. And then Hebrews 13, 4 reads, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, becoming a Christian does not guarantee that That's our right. marriages will not fail. That's right. Why? Because we have the free will to obey Him or not. Just like you have the free will to come to church on Sundays or not. Just like you have the free will to give your tithes and offering or not. Just like the free will that you have to read your Bible or not. Just like the free will that you have to pray to Him or not. So don't blame it on Christianity when your Christian marriage fails. Because you probably have not been surrendering to Jesus alone. Maybe because you've forgotten that you must be living your 
life for Jesus, even your marriage. Some of us, we pray for a wife, we pray for a husband. We go to prayer meetings every Wednesday because we're praying, we're praying. I don't want to be single anymore. I'm, 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 I'm lonely. And then God answers your prayer the third month. And then we see you two years after that. You got what you got. You got what you wanted from God. God wasn't what you wanted really. You wanted something from Him who can actually give it to you. And then when you got it, you've forgotten Him. It's the same thing with our salvation. We prayed to receive Christ. We were convicted by the message. We, we realized we're big sinners. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And we wanted to be saved. We do. Because we don't want to spend eternity in hell. And then we accepted that gift. But after that, there's no follow through. We just enjoy His blessings. And we don't reflect His, His glory in our lives. There's no words that come out that I love Jesus. And in our actions, we say we love Jesus. But our actions doesn't reflect that we love Jesus. Instead of bringing people to Christ with our lives, we stumble people from coming to Christ. Mm. But you know, we don't. It's, it's quite difficult. It's an extreme, extremely heartbreaking moment in someone's life when divorce happens. People feel abandoned, number one. And being lonely is not what God has designed. God designed, God invented marriage yes. as much as God invented sex. Yes. But sex and sex can only be practiced and exercised within the confines of marriage. And marriage as God has designed it is that it has to be pure. It has to be pure. And then your marriage, you as a couple must be serving God. You can't be, a, you can't be idolizing each other. That's right. Because once you idolize something or someone, God is a jealous God and He will take that something and someone away. Amen. But when you feel abandoned, when you feel abandoned, what does the Word say? <laughs> what, does the, what does the Bible say when you feel abandoned? It says here, the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God says, it's me that will never leave you. So married people can constantly look at your, your spouse and say, you are God's best for me. But do not enjoy the blessing, which is your spouse, and forget the blesser, which is God. As you stay and enjoy your marriage, as you glorify God in your marriage, always remind each other, that you have each other because God allowed it. Amen? Amen. Because once something happens, you know, remember the woman in the well? well? The woman in the well has been married and been in a relationship for multiple times. At that one point when she finally met Jesus, she was not even married anymore. She was married four times. When the last time she was already just living in with her boyfriend. When she met Jesus, Jesus said, give me a drink. And she said, why would you ask for a drink from me? I'm a Samaritan woman because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. But Jesus came there speaking to this girl because Jesus told her, if you will drink from my water, you will never be thirsty again. Amen. Pointing out to her that she is searching out love from all the wrong places. But love embodied through Jesus in, is in front of her. 1 Corinthians 13 is always read in weddings. 
But 1 Corinthians 13 is actually talking about God, yes. on how much God loves us. God doesn't keep any records of wrong. And God will always be there for us. Love, His love will always be there. How about financial loss? I have to hurry up, I have six minutes. The children is burning. <laughs> How about job loss or, or financial reversal? Job loss and financial. This is this is difficult. This is difficult. This this kind of problem brings us away from our family because then we have to work way too much, right? This kind of problem makes us a grumpy old person. Even if you're young, you'll be old quick. So what, what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Matthew 6, 25-27, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Those are the things that we always spend our money on, okay? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Being a Bible-believing Christian tells us to trust God. This is what this whole verse is saying. We have to trust God. And the other thing that this whole passage is saying, that we need to identify what our needs are from our wants. Yes. And if you are in financial trouble in your credit card debt because you have a spending problem, you are a consumer. You have bought into the life that the only way that you will really find value in yourself is if you drive that newer car. The only way that you will really be happy in your life is if you retire early. So work a lot. But the Bible tells us we don't know when we're going to go. The Bible tells us that, doesn't it? When this, the, the parable about the, the, the farmer that he says he, he made so much money, he said, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to store everything away, I'm going to build another barn for all my, for all the things that I have, the, all my crops here. But then God said, you fool, tonight I will take your life from you. Now who will enjoy the things that you've worked for? Trusting in God's, it, trusting in God in the news that we're, we're getting fired, we're getting laid off. Or our stocks failed. <laughs> right? It says here, the Bible says that we have to trust Him. Even if we don't understand, especially when we don't understand. There's, there's no way that you can understand God to trust Him when He says, in a financial reversal, He says, just pray to me. Because your thinking is like, I need to work. Right? I need to get another job. But God says, Trust in me. I will provide all your needs. What are the needs? Food, shelter, clothing. Mm -hmm. Food, shelter, clothing. The sooner that we can be honest to ourselves, that we overindulge in things, the sooner we will be released from financial debt. Yes. And the sooner that we will really trust God, even in our financial reversal, the peaceful our lives will be. You know, some marriages fail because of, of financial strain. Yeah. Because it's, people blame each other. You spend too much. You spend, you make too little. The third, the last one. Almost done, folks. 
death or loss of a loved one. Now, this, 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 this is quite difficult right here. Um, and the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. We are all in this room, one way or another, sooner or later, we will pass this world. That's right. It's just the truth. Just like taxes, we're all going to be a tax. <laughs> <laughs> right? But the Bible says this, that sooner or later, all of us, there's a time for us, and we will be judged. You know, what does the, the word has to say about the world? The world has to say about this. This is the death rate. There's 183,671 deaths per day. 7,653 deaths per hour. 128 per minute. Two and 13. I don't know what the 13 means. Like the, 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 their leg cut off? <laughs> per second. <laughs> You're like almost there. You know, you 87% chances to live. Seems like, I don't know. Sorry, this is serious. I almost didn't put it there. I knew it was going to distract me. Now, death being inevitable for us, for us, because that phone call, I have some good news and some bad news. That could be about you yeah. on this on this particular point. Right? Yes. I don't know what's worse. Us taking that call or us that it was us about the call. Mm. For Christians, the worst thing that can happen to us is we die. And then we go to heaven. We go home. Right? We go home. Because Christ has paid for all your sins. Christ has paid for all of our sins. That cross here is empty because we believe in the Christ that died there Amen. but rose again. Amen. We believe in a, a, a Christ that is alive. The Christ that we believe in came down because there's a need for him to come down. There's a need for him to die on that cross. Because like what we said in the world agrees is no one is perfect. But a perfect sacrifice was needed. Now I have some bad news. I'm going to reverse now. I have some bad news and some good news. We're going to reverse that, okay? We have bad news now and then good news. In Romans 6.23, the bad news is for the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. Bad news is if you are just like everybody, like me. If you are not perfect, you probably have sinned against someone or against God. And the consequences of that sin is death. That's the bad news. Death meaning, you might not die now, but death meaning eternal fire in hell. But the good news is, there's a gift. The gift is, you didn't earn the gift, right? A gift, you never earned it. Parents, right? Did our kids earn to be loved by us? No, they just happen to look like us. And then they're, they're, they're like, oh, dude, this guy's going to get everything he wants from me. This girl have me wrapped around her fingers. It's like my kids. Talk about myself. Because the gift of God is by grace. Salvation is by grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift. Again, the word gift. 
gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, folks, the bad news is we are all sinners. But the good news is God has provided a way to pay for that. Because the bad news is someone must pay for the debt that we've incurred through our sin. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, God said the bad news is there. Trouble will come our way. But if we believe in Him, if we believe in Him, He will be our peace in the midst of trouble or storm. Amen? Amen. 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 That is our message this evening. Thank you very much. Again, yes, uh, thank you for coming. God bless you. But if you are here this evening in your heart, as the music team make their way up here, if you are here this evening and your heart is seeking that salvation, that gift that God offers, if you want Jesus in the midst of your trouble, when trouble comes, you must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And the biggest trouble that we are all in is the trouble of hell. And the only way to get out of hell is to accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior. If that is you this evening, as they sing the song, I will be down here along with uh, Deacon Vince here. Um, you can come up and we can lead you into that prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, please join me in a closing prayer. Father, we thank you for your message this evening. We thank you for the people that you've brought here tonight. I pray for their hearts. I pray that their hearts were open and their minds were rece receiving of your word. I pray now that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, will work in their hearts and minds that they will receive your truth for their need for you. Bring them, Father. Save them. Give them the boldness to come up and ask for you. We thank you, Father, for everyone who has heard your good news. We thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.